had to pray for others. How should I pray for others, for believers and unbelievers? How should I pray for others? And so we saw last time examples of Jesus, how he prayed in John 17. He prayed for believers. We saw an example in Romans chapter 10, how Paul prayed for unbelievers. His, uh, his, his people, Israel, praying for their salvation. But we see both of those prayers are appropriate. Um, get more specific, we see how Paul prayed in Colossians chapter 1 and what he prayed for in verse 9. He says, and so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Note here, as he prayed for these believers, he prayed for their wisdom. Um, but before you even get to that, one thing I noticed, how he prayed unceasingly. He was consistently praying for believers. And he said it this way, from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you. From the day he heard <clears throat> of their faith, he was in prayer for them in constant prayer for them. Um, is there somebody we're praying for constantly? What normally happens is this. When you birth a new baby, there's this constant care and concern. And we need that spirit, that attitude, that kind of action going on amongst us so that we are praying for others in that way. Perhaps we're not that consistent because we're not um, connected to somebody, maybe a newborn, a newborn believer, somebody who, who, who we are, God has appointed us to, to, to constantly work with. You can see Paul's heart. I haven't ceased praying for you from the day I heard. I've been praying for you. So I pray that God would challenge us and that we would grow. You see a small group amongst us today, and I know that's because part of our group is there. Do you know what? Both groups can grow, can't they? And we can be a part of that. Pray that God will give you somebody to pray for. <laughs> pray that God will give you in the care, uh, put, you, uh, put in your care a tender new believer. Paul was praying for them. What did he pray for them? He prayed they be filled with knowledge of God's will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding. That sounds like a simple thing. But especially for new believers, that's, that's, that's a challenging thing. What is God's will? Would you help me understand God's will? So Paul was praying that they would understand on a basic level what God's will was for them. What was God's purpose for them? Maybe you're praying for somebody like that. You can help them understand what God wants them to do. You've been, you've been in the faith for a while. You kind of understand that. God wants you to be obedient to him. He's given you the basics of his will in his word. He's revealed it to us. And so you can help somebody understand that. Paul was helping them and praying for them to understand that. Um, verse 10, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him. It's God's purpose, um, not that you just learn about the Bible or learn truths, but that you live in a way that's pleasing to God on a daily basis. Now, that's a full-time job, isn't it? That's a task for us 
to walk in ways that are pleasing to God. And so he, and then it says, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of him. Bearing fruit, he wants us to be productive. He wants us to, to be useful. He wants us to be bearing fruit. Fruit can be new believers. The fruit can be the Holy Spirit's fruit in our lives. It can be both. It should be both. Uh, but he wants us to be bearing fruit. That's, that's Paul's prayer for them. We can pray for each other tonight for that. Lord, help this group of believers gathered in here to bear fruit. Bear fruit in our lives, in, in, in our personal walk. But bear fruit in terms of people in Milwaukee that our lives can and should touch. You should have on your heart right now today <coughs> at least one person that you're praying for, concerned about, that's outside of the family of God, that you're close to, that you're connected in some way, that you know of. You may not know how you can connect yourself with, but you know somebody that you are praying for or concerned about for their salvation. All right, let's continue on. He says, <clears throat> down to verse 11. Being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might. I'm not going to spend a lot of time there. Paul's praying for their strength, right? For them to, 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 to be empowered. What I want to look at more, spend more time is, what's the purpose of God's power working in your life? What should be the outcome of that? What should that look like? Look at the rest of that verse. Being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance. The purpose of God's power in your life is that you might endure. Endure what? Endure, Pastor, give another lesson. <laughs> More than that, what? Life. What about life that we need to endure? Why do we use endure when it comes to life? It's hard. It's difficult. We have challenges. God wants us to be victorious over that. What's the opposite of enduring? What's the opposite of enduring? succumbing nope that's enduring the opposite of that is what giving up giving up so that you won't give up you won't throw in the tile towel don't give up endure we are tempted to give up my daughter-in-law has texted me um, a thing this week and said you know there's this marathon run that we want to be involved in later this year. Would you be in it with us? I said, oh, no. <laughs> I said, I haven't run since January this year regularly. I run to the car. <laughs> I run over to McDonald's to get something to eat. <laughs> you know? That's the kind of running I've been doing. <laughs> but they want me to re really run. Run for real. And I said, I'm in no shape to do that. How many times have I, have I given up on basic exercise 
And God says, get back at it again. Don't give up for life. Believers are endurers. When we are tempted to give up, we recognize that's not a Christian trait. And we ask God for the strength, and we get up again and go ahead. We get discouraged. We feel like quit, quitting. And temporarily, we do quit. <laughs> Notice that temporarily. And then God encourages us, and we get back up, and we get going. That's called enduring. So the power that God gives us is the strength to endure. What I tell myself is I can't take it no more. And that's a lie. Because God gives me strength to endure. I don't want to fight anymore. That's the truth. I don't want to fight. That's a choice. I don't choose to fight. I choose to lay in bed and do nothing or whatever the scenario is. God wants me to endure. We can pray for each other tonight. Lord, help us to endure. The message for the anniversary service was a challenge and encouragement to me that we cannot stay as we are. We have to increase more and more. And that is a challenge because sometimes I feel like status quo. Because status quo doesn't take any more additional time or effort. You just cruise and keep doing what you're doing. God says, no, I want you to increase. I want you to be fruitful. I want you to endure. I want you to go ahead, and I want you to, to accomplish all I have for you to accomplish. And so pray for our endurance. God will keep us and give us the strength, and that we will um, depend upon his strength as we, um, what do say, quit quitting another time, right? Stop quitting. <laughs> cease the quitting and go ahead and, and endure and go ahead and accomplish what God wants us to accomplish. Good evening, saints. In our meditation in the book of Hebrews, we're now to chapter 11. Chapter 11 is known as a chapter of faith, or the heroes of faith. Some people call it the Faithful Hall of Fame. But where it comes in the book is interesting, and it should teach us even where it is. The first half of the book, chapters one, all the way through chapter 10, teaching us how we should understand and how we should think. And then verses the second half of chapter 10 verse 19 through the end of the chapter is starting to bring it to application. And then chapter 11 is just a picture of what he talked about in chapter 10. When you read chapter 11, it's important to understand that it doesn't stand by itself. No scriptures stand by themselves. You know, if you want to make a fool out of somebody, you can always take anything they say out of context. And I think that's what many people do to God.
when they read through his word. They just like certain verses and they just take them and rip them off. But I think you would be trying to make a fool out of God if that's the way we seek to understand the scriptures. But the scripture is a continual thought, right? It is delivering something to us in a package that God packaged it in. It has a beginning and an end. It has a series of thoughts. And one of the biggest things that we could go through and we can learn, especially if those of us who love, want to be teachers and preachers, we have to ask ourselves, where is this passage and why is it here? What's before, what's after? And the reason that chapter 11 is there when you really look into it is because it's explaining to us and showing a picture for how we should live. Now that we know who Jesus is, now that we know the excellence of who Jesus is, that he is God, that he's our savior, that he is the only one who could bridge the gap between the Old and New Testament. Now that we know how the Old and New Testament all fit together, now that we know how the law works and how it fits in with what we understand in the New Testament, now that we know all these things, he said, now we gotta have faith. And then it's easy to say, let's have faith, but now let's put some pictures out talk about what faith is he says now faith is the assurance of things hoped for the convictions of things not seen now that verse it's, it's a very profound verse and it should make us think a little bit because when it talks about the assurance of things hoped for there's two things that you can look at is is that sometimes we think of faith as therefore causing something to happen in the future but he looks at faith as something that happens because something in the future is certain, okay? So we look at faith as saying, I have faith that I believe in God, therefore God will answer my prayer. When I die, I will go to heaven. And the author doesn't say that. The author says, you have faith in God because God already is going to save you and already has saved you. Because he saved you, now you got faith. Look what he says. Your faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. How can you be convicted of something you don't see? How can you have the assurance of something you don't hope for unless that is acting on you outside of time itself, right? That's something that we start to understand about faith is this, that since God did the act now we have the faith right God puts in us faith our faith is a result of his complete work of salvation when we understand salvation completely we understand this we only got a taste of what we have right think of it this way why do we have the Holy Spirit in us have we truly been saved yet in the process of being saved if you really want to think about it right because we can still be killed we can still be hurt we can still sin we are still subject to many weaknesses and many threats but salvation comes but how do we know salvation comes because we got the holy spirit in us now it's a guarantee why do we have the holy spirit because we already going to be saved right it's guaranteed another way to think of it is this that god's acts God is not subject to time. 
like we are subject to time. We view time as a succession of events. Monday comes before Tuesday, comes before Wednesday, comes before Thursday, right? We view time as a progression, but God does not view time in that fashion. It says in the Bible, one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is like a day. Now that's something that's really been shocking me as I think about it. Because I've been thinking about it in the context of my own personal sin. And the thought is this. We often think about God as a thousand day years is one day. But how often do we think about one day could be a thousand days? I mean, one day could be a thousand years. In other words, any moment God can view from every angle for eternity. Right? Think of it this way. There's no amount of detail that God will ever miss. There's nothing that God can miss because any moment that happens, he sees it all the way. In fact, he sees right now what could happen or not could happen, what will happen in a thousand years. To him, it's no different than me looking at y'all right now. We often wrongly say God predicts the future. But God doesn't predict the future. God makes the future. He's not looking forward to the future and seeing what happened as if he's subject at the same time we are, but he just has better eyes than us. No, he sees and makes the future happen. He's there already. That's why he can promise us. That's where the faith comes from. The faith comes from us believing in God and saying, God, actually, you already guarantee, you already know what I'm going to be at in heaven. You already know how I'm going to be saved. You already know what I'm going to face tomorrow because you're already there. Making provision for me. It's not that God is preparing you. God is saying, I already know what you're going to have tomorrow. I already know what you're going to have next week because I'm already there. And I'm preparing for you. That's the kind of faith that we should have. It goes way beyond saying, okay, I'm going to pray harder today because that will cause God to do something tomorrow. No, God already did it. We believe God today. That's the guarantee that we have. Heaven is not a wish for us. Heaven is not like I hope the weather is better tomorrow when we know it's not going to be. Heaven is God already did it. That's why it's the assurance of things hoped for, the convictions of things not seen. We, we don't see heaven, but we know it's just as real as these chairs that we sit in. It's just as real as us sitting in this building. That's the kind of faith that we need to strive for. So maybe we should be like the man who says, Jesus, I believe, but help my unbelief. Jesus, help my unbelief. Because you've already done everything. You already know what I'm going to face. You already know my sin, right? You already know I'm going to mess up tomorrow. You still save me right now. That's the love of God, right? So we really want to appreciate that kind of faith.
meet everybody. Today, what I want to pray for is I want to get two or three people um, to just pray for leadership team as we kind of set the next year's budget um, just get that we have wisdom in what to set, wisdom in what to add. We want to go through and um, figure special projects that we want to do for the year um, and just have an idea of what we want to do and a priority to set them in and then just wisdom in how we should use the money that God gives us. So who wants to pray? There's one. Charles, there's two. Who's going to be number three? Who's going to be number three? Well, I'm going to pick somebody. Jamar. Is that? There's this just those two things. Same thing, yep. Then I'll close this up. We just continue in prayer. We just continue to lift up the leadership team here. Um, we ask that you just give us wisdom, give us direction, and how you would have us allocate the money that um, we are going to look to spend this next year. Um, as Donna had said, that our church ministries are different than the world because um, it's not like we turn around a product and that's what we put in the budget. It's, it's all revenue from gifts from your people. Um, have you stirred their hearts to give and amount of money that comes in is directly um, from a gift from you on what you have um, bestowed on the people to give. We ask that you just give us wisdom in um, the special projects, the um, what you would have us to set out to do this year and um, the order that we should do it in, the order of importance and just what needs to be done and help us identify the things that um, you would have us to do in this year and um, just give us wisdom on what we should do and shouldn't do, what maybe waits till next year or um, stuff that's not as important as would be done this year. And we just ask that you give us wisdom in that, give us direction, and continue to just guide our budget and the church finances. In your name we pray.